So this morning we'll be exploring the third foundation of mindfulness, which is mindfulness of mind, mindfulness of citta, which literally means heart-mind. And I'm going to read from the text, just to give you a little sense both of the text and of the teaching. And so the Buddha says, and how meditators does do you regard the mind and abide contemplating the mind? He one knows a grasping mind to be a grasping mind, a mind without grasping to be without grasping. One knows an angry mind to be an angry mind, without anger to be without anger, a mind without anger to be without anger. One knows a deluded mind to be deluded, and a mind without delusion to be without delusion. One knows a contracted mind to be contracted, and a distracted mind to be distracted. One knows a great mind, expansive mind, to be expansive, and a narrow mind to be narrow. One knows a surpassed mind to be surpassable, and an unsurpassable mind to be unsurpassable. One knows a concentrated mind to be concentrated, and an unconcentrated mind to be unconcentrated. One knows a liberated mind to be liberated, and an unliberated mind to be unliberated. In this way, in regard to mind, one abides contemplating the mind internally, externally, abides contemplating the nature of arising and passing, both arising and passing away in regard to the mind. Mindfulness that there is a mind is established in one to the extent necessary for bare knowledge and continuous mindfulness. One abides independent, not clinging to anything in the world. So, that's our task today. So, as we explore the the, the foundations, then they're, no, they're obviously it's not like there's no body happening today or no feelings happening today. They're, ex- they're, they're layered instructions. So we start. We go from the gross to the subtle. We go from the gross physical sensations, movements, walking, breath to the more subtle layer of feeling tone that we explored yesterday. And today we're exploring the realm of the mind and the heart. So both uh, emotional world, the reactive mind and the unreactive mind, and also the realm of our thinking mind. So to put that in more lay language, uh, we're primarily being aware of our emotions that arise and also what arises in the mind in terms of the states. So building on both the instructions yesterday and the talk yesterday, building from this understanding of feeling tone when things are pleasant, we notice the reactive mind if it's there that holds on, that grasps, that wants, that clings. If it's unpleasant, we also notice the, the response, the attitude. If it's reactive, there's aversion, resistance, rejection, contraction, fear. And if it's neutral, we generally notice uh, sort of disinterest, boredom, spacing out. <coughs> and we also notice when those aren't present, 
when there isn't when there's an absence of reactivity, an absence of greed, desire, fear, hatred. There's moments of nibbana where the mind and heart is at ease. And we're also being present to the general arising and experience of emotion. And, you know, often in meditation, this this, um, emotional realm can be quite quiet. We're we're in an unstimulated environment, an unstimulated experience in meditation. So the, the mind and the heart can be quite quiet often. And also at times the heart can be having a lot of feelings, emotions, and so we want to pay attention to that experience. We want to be feeling, knowing, emotions of physiological phenomena that arise in response to inner and external stimuli. And so many of us are not so familiar with tracking and sensing particularly in the body, our emotional experience. And so this is a, a practice, a training, to understand, to know, to be with, to allow what we're feeling. So the first step is to recognize, oh, sadness is here, or peace, or irritation, or contentment, or anxiety. Oh, so simple recognition. And you can name it. Labeling emotion is very helpful when we crystallize our understanding of what it is. It can help uh, help us hold that experience more easily. We name it. You might you might use the phrase like this. Oh, sadness is like this. Fear is like this. And then we shift the attention to the physical manifestation. What is the what is the physiology of the emotion? How do we feel sadness? How do we know anger? What is what in our body is telling us that we're afraid or irritated? Right? Tension, holding, heaviness, lightness, expansion. In the heart, maybe the throat times, maybe the belly gets knotted. Many different indications of feeling. So we notice it, we name it, we feel it, we make space for it. Oh, sadness, and give it some time just to you know, unfold. Right? Emotions have their own time frame. Generally, don't last that long. Quite quickly. Our attention moves to something else, or the emotion shifts into something else, or it triggers a thought, which triggers another feeling. And so this the inner landscape is constantly moving. So we're noticing the changing nature. Sometimes we're afraid of certain emotions, states of mind. But if we see how transient they are, it allows us some capacity to hold it. No matter how difficult fear or anxiety or loneliness or sadness are, they don't last that long. They come and go. They may come back regularly, but they don't actually persist unless we keep feeding them with our mind and our thoughts. So we want to notice the relationship between 
thoughts and emotion, how thoughts trigger emotions, emotions trigger more thoughts. So we understand the causal nature of experience. Everything is arising out of certain causes and conditions. And when when emotion rises and I react with fear or aversion, it has its impact, compression, contraction, more suffering. If I can find the space to allow, to breathe, to hold, to be kind, soften into it, some more ease. At times, strong emotions will arise. If it's too much, too intense, shift your attention away from it. Feel some sense of grounding in your legs, your feet. You may open your eyes, just look down, sense the room, take some deeper breaths. There are ways to regulate when emotion gets too strong. And then when the system feels settled, you bring awareness back to whatever it is you're feeling. Okay, so let's sit together. (coughs) Establishing awareness of body Sensing your posture, connection with the ground, aware of the quality of your physical experience. How is the body this morning? Tired, bright? Relaxed, releasing any tension you may be holding unnecessarily in the eyes, jaw, shoulders, belly. Establishing awareness of breath in the body and breath serve as the anchor for your attention. Meeting the breath with beginner's mind. What's the quality of this breath, this never before taken breath? changing sensations of inhale, exhaling, pausing. Where is the breath most alive, most easily felt this morning? be different than yesterday or this morning. Breathing in, I know I'm breathing in. 
breathing out, now I'm breathing out. breath to breathe itself. Relaxed in the body, receiving sensations of breath. You may notice when things feel pleasant, noticing the quality of each breath, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. Noticing how you may relate to that, depending on feeling tone. Same way, receiving sound, times sounds appear and are known quite effortlessly in awareness. In the sounds, human sounds, nature sounds, mechanical sounds, simply sounds, hearing. to the present moment. Also noticing the pleasant or unpleasant nature of sounds and how that affects our response reaction.
from time to time noticing when various emotions appear, felt, not digging, not looking, not manufacturing any particular feeling, but just notice your effective state, sometimes quite subtle, like right now, pay attention to the climate of the heart. What are you feeling? Often it's quite subtle, calm, ease, stillness, contentment, peace, perhaps boredom, or maybe restlessness, or anxiety, agitation, fear, worry. Just sensing your heart and body. Can you name whatever particular emotion is here or state of mind? And if there's nothing particular, noticing that, but usually there's some quality, however subtle. There is an emotion present, noticing, how do you feel that? How do you know that quality in the body? What indicates that? If it's a stronger emotion, noticing where you feel that in the body, in the heart, in the belly, in the throat, head, and naming, oh, ease is like this, sadness like this, irritation like this, naming it, feeling it, noticing how it moves, changes. Importantly, noticing your attitude, your relationship to it. The one of curiosity, of disinterest. Noticing if it's pleasant or unpleasant, or neutral, and how that may or determine how you feel towards it, how you relate to it. (coughs) Notice how it passes away, or changes, or attention gets drawn elsewhere. And then we, at some point, return to our Primary anchor, like the breath, awareness of the whole body sitting,
the emotion is strong, triggering, or overwhelming, it can be helpful to ground awareness, feeling the lower half of your body, legs, feet touching the ground, taking some deeper breaths, opening the eyes, just so you can find a sense of balance and holding that experience. Shifting attention away from it for a few moments can be helpful so it can settle down. And then once we're balanced, we can return awareness to it, feeling it, sensing it. Lastly, as emotions come and go, feelings, moods, states of mind, notice this process of identification. Notice how you take, may take these feelings to be very much who you are. My anger, I am angry, I am sad. This is who I am in this moment, afraid, happy, Versus seeing them as simply phenomena coming and going, like sounds, like breath, like weather, coming and going like mist, like storms. Ultimately not who we are, simply changing weather in our emotional landscape.
something particular is calling your attention, or you're unclear about where to place your attention, you can always come back to the simplicity of the breath as a home base. And then when other experiences arise, like sounds, emotion, moods, states of mind, we can notice those until they pass away, come back to the breath. Noticing and grasping is present, or the absence of grasping, or wanting, or demanding. Notice when aversion or resistance is present, and the absence of aversion or resistance.
when confusion is present or the absence of confusion. Noticing when the mind is caught in reactivity or free from reactivity. Last few minutes of the sitting. Also, want to instruct you in bringing mindfulness to thought. In the same way that we attend to when emotions come and go, we can also be mindful of our thinking process rather than being lost in it. So, as thoughts arise, knowing thinking's happening. Times we can be mindful and simply see the thought or label the thought, oh, thinking. Or you may label in a more specific way, oh, judging, planning, remembering, rehearsing. Rehearsing what you're going to say in your practice discussion group. Our rehearsing mind, planning mind. So we shift from the content to the process and be aware of the process. Our thinking, planning is like this. Noticing how when you bring awareness to thought, often it dissolves. See how ephemeral it is. 
times a thought's very persistent, repetitive, compulsive. And if that's the case, sometimes useful to shift to seeing well, what's driving this thought, often an emotion. Often what drives planning and rehearsing is anxiety, is fear, wanting to look good. Noticing that relationship between thoughts and how it triggers other thoughts or moods or emotions. Having the sense of the mind, the awareness being like the sky, open, vast, and thoughts simply clouds drifting through the space of awareness. No need to pick them up, watch them pass by. like this, planning is like this, noticing it and releasing the thought, releasing the fascination and returning to physical sensory awareness of sitting, breathing, hearing. As you become mindful of thinking, notice how much you identify with the thoughts as who I am, my thoughts. How much you take them to be real, true. The thought of something, the thought of your bedroom is not your bedroom, it's just a thought. So as we end the meditation, 
opening up awareness to your whole body, the sounds, <coughs> in your own time opening your eyes, adjusting, moving your posture if you need to. So today we're adding, you know, more layers of experience. Not that you weren't having emotion yesterday, but we're giving it more attention today. Not that you weren't having thoughts yesterday, but just giving it more attention. Seeing how you can hold those in awareness, develop clarity, understanding, insight about the nature of emotion, the nature of thought. One of the main types of thinking that we notice on retreat is what the Buddha calls papancha, which is the proliferation of thought based on sense experience or views. The the way that goes is something like this. You're sitting in meditation and maybe you hear, uh, I don't know, maybe you hear a truck and you go, oh, that must be a food delivery. I wonder what's for lunch. I really like that bean stew. I hope they do something like that again. That tagine thing. Is that, is that, is that Moroccan or is that Middle Eastern? I don't know. I, I've always wanted to go to Morocco. Maybe I should go there and you know, take a cooking class. And you know, I don't cook enough. I really don't take care of my body well enough. You know, I should go to the gym or and, you know, get a membership. It's a new year. Maybe I'll get one in new year. What am I doing for new year? I haven't decided yet. I really want to go to see my family. But and then we just, you know, that's like... <laughs> Uh, that's like half an hour of the sitting, good, okay. <laughs> I can handle the rest. <laughs> Figured out our holiday plans and our <laughs> cooking schedule and um, it's the associative and basic. And then it's like, wait, wait what happened? I'm in Morocco taking cooking, wait, wait, and meditation, okay, spirit rock, okay. What a sound, all right, I heard that sound. Oh, the truck sound, hearing, hearing. It's amazing, we can go from here to Africa in five seconds. And it all seems very real. So, anyhow, just to be aware of the associative mind, right, which is what we do a lot and has its place, you know, it can be very creative. And it also takes us away a lot, a lot, a lot. You see somebody, oh, looks like Joe from the office. I wonder how he's doing. God, that project was really hard last year. I hope he has an easier time. His boss was really mean. Boom, gone. (laughs) End of meditation. Anyhow, questions about your practice, particularly about working with emotion, thoughts, or but anything else that's coming up in the sitting, the walking. Instructions, please. Yeah. 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 Some find it easier, some harder. Some find the instructions really annoying. Then just wish that we'd shut up. And other people find it really. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, it's engaging, right? There's, yeah. there's a cognitive processing. Oh, right. We're in, yeah, we're introducing new information and new ways of working. So it makes sense that f- sometimes that can be create some 
disturbance or processing. And don't worry about that, you know. Mostly, I mean, we, you know, like today there was a lot of information, so I was talking most of the way through the sit, which I don't like to do, but I also want to make sure that you have enough practice, you know, techniques, whatever, so you can work with it all day. Yeah. So, please. Yeah, yeah. So the question being about, you know, pointing to if thoughts are repetitive, habitual, compulsive, you know, it's useful to find out what's true, what's causing those. And so the instruction is to see if there's any emotion present, like, you know, like if it's, you know, a lot of, we're having a lot of arguments with somebody and say, oh, what's going on here? Oh, I'm feeling really upset. I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling whatever. So in the same way that we, be with emotion in general, you just simply be with the feeling, notice it, feel it in the body, notice how it's manifesting, knowing, seeing how it might be keep continuing to trigger more thoughts. And then either staying with that until it passes, or you can notice it for a little bit and then shift your attention back to your object, primary object, breath or body. So we're not doing anything so much in and of itself, but it, that just asking that question, oh, what's going on here? Is there anything fueling this? That itself can be insightful. Oh, right, I'm really hurt. I'm still hurt about this three years later. Oh, Oh, and that's tender. So we feel tenderness. And there may be some sort of iterations of that. But usually, once we meet the feeling, it allows, there's something in our psyche that when we meet our experience, it's it sort of allows it to allows the psyche sort of like puts it down, you know. It, it, it sort of dissolves that spinning at least for a while until the next time it comes up. Right? But if we stay at the level of content, it, we just keep running around in circles. Yeah. Please. Right. <laughs> it's getting busy in there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, so it can be, and it's, and if that feels that way, then keep it simple and stay with body, breath, feeling tone, and that's primarily what we're doing. Is just the primary awareness of the, the sensory experience. You know, and it may be that in the course of a meditation. Not much. You're not feeling that much. Yeah, maybe a little ease, maybe a little sleepy or a little irritation at times. So it's not like it's not like that doesn't have to become a project. You're mostly staying with the same practice you were doing yesterday: breath, body, sensing, noticing occasionally the feeling tone. And then when emotion arises, like oh, okay, I'm going to include this too. All oh, right, sadness. Oh, you feel it passes away, and it may be ten minutes before something else arises like that. So it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to feel busy. Um, 
And um, as I say, you can stay with the, with the instructions from the last few days, and that's plenty. You know? But it's, it is helpful when strong, I would say, when strong stuff comes up to do what we were just saying. Um, and then also with thoughts, you know, it's not like they suddenly just start happening because we're noticing them, right? So the instruction is just to give a little more guidance of what to do. Noticing them, naming them. For the most part, that's plenty. And then come back to your, your primary practice of sensing, breathing. Does that help? Yeah. And if, and if, as I mentioned in the sit, if it ever feels like, oh my God, this is like this breath, this thoughts, feel, oh, there's a lot to do here, it's busy, just, just come back to your breath. Just feel your body sitting. It's pretty simple. What am I noticing now? I think somebody in our group said something about yesterday about it. Like I'm looking for the insight. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. Yes. This will just create more thinking. Well, it might have a some kind of insight in the thinking, but it's not that deep usually. And the insight partly arises out of the space that's created as we simply with our immediate experience. And in that, it allows for that discursive mind to quiet, which is not where deep insight comes from, and allows more depth, more concentration, more deeper perception. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks. Yes, please. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, did I say no mind? No, no mind. Like oh, not me, not mine. Right, mine, right. Yes. Right. Mine. I, me, mine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a beautiful line in the text called, and once the Buddha was asked, and I'll talk about this maybe tomorrow, um, Someone asked him, can you summarize your teaching in one sentence? Which is a lot, because it's, you know, it's, it's a pretty wordy guy, you know. <laughs> and he said, Sabe Dhamma Nalama Bhinavasaya, which means nothing whatsoever shall be clung to as I or mine. And that doesn't necessarily answer your question. Well, it does, but you might not make any sense of that. Um, so what we're looking at in, in meditation, in this practice, Vipassana, it, one of the things we're looking at is the way the I-making, my-making, selfing process happens. Right? So, for example, right, we're looking at the bad data of our experience. Right? We're sitting and we notice sensations. Right? That's one of the more elemental parts of our experience, just the physicality of the body. We're sitting and we notice maybe some, some scratchiness in the knee, okay? some itchiness. And it's just pure sensation, just the body doing its thing. And then the thought arises, oh, my left leg is itchy. And that is an, a layer of concept on that experience. 
or we having a thought, you know, th- you know, th- maybe maybe the you know in meditation the mind's really busy. There's a ton and ton of thoughts for whatever reason, just really can't stop thinking. And we say, "Oh, my mind is busy. My mind is, you know, my mind's creating all these thoughts. I can't stop thinking," okay? which is sort of true, actually. Um, and the I and the my is a construct that has its use, right? If I say, my glasses, right? if I say, pass me my glasses, I'll get these glasses, which will be good, because I can't see, as you know. <laughs> but is that really, are those glasses really mine? Or is that just a convention? You know, a convention, I've bought them with money, which is a convention, and there's a sense of ownership, which is a convention. But do I really own these glasses? From one perspective, yes. Conventional reality, yes. But they're not really mine. You know, I temporarily have them in my possession. So, um, so this is this is a this is a deep process of inquiry into the sense of self and how we self each other and things and. Um, no, and there's a, there's a there's a relative usefulness of the language of I, my, you, right? But if we look deeply, we see that that those ideas are just ideas; they're constructs, right? Like we say, my mind, right? As if we own it, as if we control it, as if we can have some agency over it. We can have some, but not so much. Like your thought. These thoughts are a really good example. Are the thoughts really yours? Where do the thoughts come from? And do we, how many of the thoughts do we actually will into being? You know, we think up to 60,000 thoughts a day, so some of the research suggests. It's about one, one, one a second. Are they really our thoughts? Or are they just the mind or the brain or both or however thoughts arise happening kind of by themselves? We say my body, my breath, right? Well, a better example, my heart and my heartbeat, right? I mean, it's my heart in the sense that it's part of this body that I... But... Do I have any control over it? It kind of has a life of its own. Can't change the heartbeat. Will stop eventually out of my control. Um, so all these processes, physical, mental, emotional, cognitive, mostly have a life of their own. And so that's one of the things we're paying attention to, is to seeing how all experience is happening selflessly. Even when I decide to do something, which seems like I have agency and I'm making a decision, where did that thought come from? Conditioned by a whole history that's sort of happening by itself, out of causes and conditions. You know, this, what's interesting with 
neuroscience and um, you know like the, the they can track in the brain the decision making process happens prior to our conscious knowing that we're deciding something there's milliseconds before we make the decision there's things happening in the brain out of which we make a decision when Time Magazine surveyed, did a meta-analysis of this, all the studies around the sense of self, their conclusion was of the data was that there was no agency or self to be found in the brain. It's a, it's a, you know, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word. You know, it's um, there's a word for it. You know, like self-functioning system. So, so these are um, things to pay attention to. We can get lost in a lot of speculative inquiry, and, I, and I'll talk tomorrow, perhaps, and I will talk tomorrow about how to make more sense of this. So for now, don't get too lost in, in thinking about it, but just pay attention to how experience, so much of experience happens by itself. And then, you know, like we're sitting in meditation, we have a very blissful experience. It's all great, and it's just mm, joy and rapture. And, and at some point, the I thought arises and says, oh, I had this great experience. I now am a great meditator. I'm kind of special. I could teach this stuff, right? That's a whole lot of selfing and I-making on top of what was just a, you know, bliss sometimes just arises by itself that we then claim ownership. So we want to see this eye-making, selfing process. So um, I could go on and on, but um, I'll stop here for now. So, so no, don't get too caught up in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in figuring it out, because it doesn't come from figuring it out. But pay attention to how the, the selfing process works, how I make something me and mine. Just out of curiosity, not out of a view of right, wrong, or this is how it is, but I'd be curious. You know, when you drop your plate in the dining room and it smashes, noticing how the sense of self is really pretty present right there. (laughs) And how when you're hiking in the forest, it dissolves sometimes. Just you, just know you, just being in joy. Okay, some... Uh, announcements. So we'll have our second round of group meetings today and tomorrow. So please check the board and the times. Please come on time. I'd like you all to come to your groups. Um, And some of the groups will be seeing different teachers. So just be mindful of where you are meeting. Um, Please check your notes. There's some notes for some of you on the notice board. Uh, we, We do write notes to you occasionally. Um, so please check everybody to see if you have a note. And um, lastly, uh, we're in the middle of the retreat, right? You've, we've done a lot of work to get here, especially the first two days, working with the hindrances and all of that. And so your meditation is starting to deepen, settle, your mind's starting to quiet, body's more here, mind's more here. So one thing that can support the deepening is really pay attention to sense of continuity. So making every moment as important as every other moment, making every moment a meditation. So, 
for example, when we end here, be mindful. You fold your blanket or you put your jacket on. Be mindful as you stand up. Be mindful feeling the carpet as you walk to the door. Be mindful how your body moves down the stairs. Noticing when you touch the glass that it's cold. Right? As you walk outside, you feel the cool air. It's so a moment to moment, mindfulness will deepen your practice. And it's a beautiful day, so a beautiful day of practice. Thank you.